welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hey everyone, I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you another in our series of interviews with top leaders in health IT. And we're here at the Health Data Palooza conference. And our guest today is Christine von Reisfeld. She's the founder of People with Empathy, and she's also a rare disease patient. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here at Health Data Palooza this year. Yeah, what an adventure, huh? And it's great that they have such a, a focus on bringing patients here. I mean, they're one of the first, you know, that included patients, I think, in the conference. So it's great to have your voice. Yeah. But before we dive into kind of what you're hearing at the conference and, and you know, your perspectives as a patient, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, people with empathy. Sure. So my name is Christine Von Reichelt. I'm the founder of a small nonprofit, People with Empathy, really geared on breaking down silos in healthcare and helping to really give patients and care partners a good quality of life. So we work with consulting with industry, really talking about the patient experience. Myself, I'm a rare disease patient with over 30 diagnosed conditions, and we're still looking for the underlying cause. So a lot of the journey is not disease specific, but more around the patient experience as a whole. Yeah. Well, uh, you have a lot of depth in patient experience, so I bet it, this conference has been interesting. What are some of the topics and themes you're hearing about that our audience may be interested in? So I think right now there's a lot around, obviously, collaboration, which I think is huge, especially during COVID. We saw a lot of collaborations take place, and I think really kind of extending that more and, and really including more stakeholders in the conversation. I'm seeing a lot around data, <laughs> always, yeah. right? And uh, given the title, Health Data Palooza, Health data Palooza should we data should data. have some data in there. Um, so really interesting conversations around how we aggregate that data around how patients can use that data and really on, on how we involve the patient in those processes, including the data. Interesting. Well, so, you know, we obviously focus on healthcare technology. What would be your message as a patient who has to live through the experience yeah. <laughs> over and over yes. throughout your whole life, right? Uh, you know, as a rare disease patient, it's just part of your life, um, unfortunately. But what would you say to these health IT professionals that, you know, what's your dream? What, what would you love for them to accomplish <laughs> to make your life better to and make, easier, make your experience better? Yeah. Well, I would say the biggest thing is really looking at me and all of these other their patients very holistically. Mm. I think that what we've taken in healthcare is really kind of a direct role into a disease state, right? And so we're not looking at, I think, the bigger picture and really kind of exploring where we go. I think there's a lot of data out there that could be potentially helpful for a lot of patients. Again, I'm a rare disease patient. I'm struggling with my own diagnoses right now, but there's data out there that if I could potentially, as a patient, pool these different sources of data, I could have a better picture of my own health and my own care and how that looks in the future. What we're finding, though, is a lot of this data is in different places and segregated, and that ability to kind of pull it all together really isn't there yet. Um, and I think data coming from everywhere, right? Not mm -hmm. including Fitbits, wearables, sure. all these things, but clinical studies. I've been in studies myself where we've found information that isn't told to me because it's a certain study, but could mm. be essential in my own care. And so how do we really bring 
all of these different sources together. And really, my dream is, is to have agency over my data, to be mm -hmm. able to, I am the one person, I'm creating this data, it's being created from me and my activities. But as that person who creates it, to have that agency to be able to combine it and make it work for me. Interesting. Well, I mean, we've heard a lot about information blocking, right? I mean, it's literally a regulation that they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Is that the challenge is, is actually getting access to the data, kind of like you described in that study? Yeah. Or is it about yeah. that, oh, it's in 10 different silos and I wish it was in one place that everyone could get access? Or is it both? Then? I think it's a little bit of both, yeah. right? I think it is in all of these different places. And I think we are going to have different avenues in different places where data is being pushed and pulled and stored and whatever else. Um, but really, I think for me, it's the ability to first access the data and have that data, right? But have the, the clear data, right? When, we, when I talk to companies, we talk a lot about uh, giving back interpreted results to mm -hmm. patients, right? Which is great if mm -hmm. you're a certain type of patient. But when you look into rare disease or people who are dealing with other conditions, some of those standardized results aren't going to work well in these mm -hmm. populations. So having that, right, and having that trust in a patient even to, to use that data, right? I, I look at a lot of these companies that are holding data and using it, and we're seeing people going to jail over misuse of data. Sure. And we're telling patients that as a patient, you are not equipped to handle your own data. <laughs> but then the people we're giving it to- Aren't equipped to handle Aren't equipped to handle it either, right? And so I think it's really a conversation. I think there's a way for really to go back to a physician-patient relationship and build that relationship. I think there's a lot of education out there, but learning together is going to be key. I think there's a lot of egos involved in healthcare in every area and silo that you're in. And so working around that to really make sure these collaborations and these partnerships are, are equal partnerships. Well, let's talk about that. I know, you know we were talking earlier, I think over lunch or something, <laughs> to, uh, about your experience in the ED with you know a doctor who didn't understand your condition and you understood it. I mean, I'll, I'll say it, frankly, you understood it better than they did because you, you know, you've been dealing with years. it for a long time, right? <laughs> and, and, and you know, how did that, you know, there's this balance of power that is interesting, right? You talk about collaborative care. You know, maybe tell us more about that experience and how that mindset needs to shift, especially for someone who so deeply, you know, understands their condition. So, you know, I'd love to hear if you yeah, share that story. Hey, well, that's a, a rough one, right? Because it is it really dependent on an individual person or a physician mm -hmm. and the way you even talk to the physician. And the patient. And the patient. Many patients right? don't care. Yeah, some don't, <laughs> some do, right? It's kind of a mixed bag of things. Um, for me, I think it's more the relationship, right? And the communication between the physician. I think we do have to, so in that instance that you told, that I told you about, I was in the ER recently mm -hmm. and the physician and I, I have access to pharmacogenomics, which is my results, which tell me how I metabolize medications. Mm -hmm. A physician came in who was a resident on the floor who had his own ideas for treatment for me from looking at my charts from the last couple hours. <laughs> and he even admitted, you have a complicated history, I haven't had time to look through this, but this is my treatment plan. Well, I have information there that he's not familiar with, the pharmacogenomics. When I mentioned that was in there, there was kind of a, a power struggle here, right? Because you have a patient who's very educated mm -hmm. on their condition sure. and who knows something about precision medicine that this physician didn't know. 
And so it, it really was this power struggle. And I think if we're looking at empowering patients, we also have to be very careful, right? Because that, that struggle of, of here is a physician and here is a patient, mm -hmm. that has to work together. And I sure. think that's a lot of work. I, I don't get along with every one of my doctors. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But I do have quite a few who we've established that kind of relationship. And even at the last visit where I ended, when I was leaving the hospital, I had a conversation with that physician and apologized myself, mm -hmm. saying that, you know, I understand the difficulties, the information isn't accessible to him, I'm also in pain and a little irritable, <laughs> sure. um, and all of these things factor into it, but, you know, we came to a conclusion at the end, the physician and myself, we both apologized. We both, you know, I told him that there are patients out there who are educating themselves more and more and that he needs to be knowledgeable of, of where someone is in that space. He also apologized and said that he needed to be a little more focused right. on bringing that patient in and, and realizing the experience that a lot of people had. Sure. Um, so it ended up okay. But I think there is that a very thin line, right, of that balance of how do we move forward mm -hmm without kind of cutting each other off. And, right. and it's it's communication. I yeah, and it's creating that mutual respect, right? Because probably he was irritable as well. Because he had too many patients too many coming patients into the ED. And, and some that were seeking drugs or some that were doing whatever, right? And, right. and so, like, it, it's such a tough balance. Oh, yeah, and I understand, right? We all have these difficulties, but I think even as a patient, as a physician, as someone in industry, we kind of have to take that broader view, right? I always tell people it's... We're so focused and we're so siloed that I think we have to take a step back before we can look individually at mm. people. And it's uh, it's kind of a strange way to go at it because we're so focused on precision sure. medicine, right? But I think there are there's evidence in data, right? When we look at the masses of people that will help us with those individuals, and I think really educating people around data, the value of data, you know, and really that collective data. I think we're so focused on the individual. We're not realizing how much we can help each other mm -hmm. if we combine this information. So I yeah. think there's education on everybody's, um, sure. you know, kind of, kind of menu here. But really, I think as patients, we play a role, but it's not it's not our entire role, right? right? So I think it does have to have that collaboration and coordination with other people. Well, and this is only going to get more important because patients are going to have more access to their data. I think that's clear, right? We're going to have more access to the data and we're going to have more access to AI and tools that understand the data and give us the right or relevant information so that when we go into the doctor, we're going to have even more info than we have. So, Which could awesome. be scary too, right? Yeah, so I think there's, there's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> a period of learning, right? Okay. Of learning on the patient side, what kind of information is yeah. important to collect, right? Also, every not doctor being can talk about a patient that came with awful information that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> right, right? And so, how do we also, as we move into this decentralized world, right, and this mm -hmm. data age, how do we also prepare the patients on the other side, yeah. right? We're going to have to be creating data of our own that's clinical grade. So, how do we work with patients and physicians? and industry to make sure that these people are collecting that right grade exactly. of data and that we can use it effectively yeah. in all areas of healthcare. Absolutely.
Christine, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Uh, you gave us some nice perspectives, some important perspectives about the patient uh, yeah. when it comes to data. And can I throw in one yeah, other thing? And, and I just talked to someone from Health Data Palooza. One of the topics that I'm really interested in is um, Medicare patients. I'm on Medicare myself mm -hmm. for the last 20 years, so I haven't been able to work because I need insurance that's mm -hmm. higher than what an employer can give me. So I'd really like to start discussions around the Medicare populations and how we use the data that we're collecting off Medicare while we're forcing them to live in poverty. But how do we give this population of people a quality of life while we're incorporating them into building the processes of healthcare? Yeah. So. Great point. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for thanks. sharing. And thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application. Thanks, Christine. Thank you.